Welcome, everybody, to another Spotlight episode with Ben. Uh, I'm Ben Rogers, your host with Performance Medicine Audio, and today I have such a special guest. I met her about 15 minutes ago, but my whole family knows her from a, from a, from long history, and, and and in fact, you'll you'll learn a little bit uh, about that as we as we get the conversation going. But I'm with Carolyn Anderson. She's a licensed massage therapist and a certified medical massage practitioner. And and Carolyn, why don't you just kind of talk a little bit about what it is that you do for the for the listeners out there who don't know what a licensed massage therapist does, or even the difference between a licensed massage therapist and a certified medical massage practitioner. Thank you very much, Ben. It's great to be here. And I've had a really good day. I enjoy what I do so much. I am um, a massage therapist, like you said. When people come to me, it's often with specific problems that they have, frozen shoulder, uh, plantar fasciitis, carpal tunnel, say. And so I test them. I talk with them in an interview. And then we um, get to, I follow a specific protocol to um, resolve or greatly relieve their problems. You know, you know, one thing I've, I've learned as I've, you know, done some research on massage is, you know, it can be so great for pain. Like you said, with frozen shoulder, you know, plantar fasciitis, you know, uh, Dr. Rogers says so often people come to him for one of two reasons and, and pain being one of them. And I know he's worked closely with you. You know, what have you noticed in the patients that you've seen in regards to uh, the type of pain that they're going through? Is it, is it generally, you know, start in an area and then go to a different spot? You know, you mentioned your feet and, and, and I'm going to, I'm fascinated with, with, what our, our topic is going to be about today, but what have you noticed with just the, the types of pain that you see patients coming in for in regards to massage therapy? Right. The pain that I see often is in the neck and shoulders. It can be in the hips and all of that, a lot of that refers downward. So you want to go to the highest point of origin. You don't necessarily want to go to the, the place where it hurts but you have to do a little investigative work. And so people um, hold a lot of stress in their neck and shoulders as they're working so much with technology. And there is such a thing as tech neck where we're looking down at our cell phones instead of holding our cell phones up to our faces or at least, you know, and our computers up higher too. And then we sit so much. So then our, abdominal hip flexors, the interior and the exterior are so shortened. And um, so then we have a lot of low back pain because of that. And um, do do you think that that has to do with, you know, like you said, the nature of most of our jobs being in a desk, sitting down, and then, you know, with the stress, does that kind of create this, you know, storm or like a cycle that's going to just lead to to neck pain and stuff of that nature? It certainly can. And not only neck pain, but headaches also. Um, Just it can cause a whole lot of problems. And then um, emotional pain that we don't deal with very well. We repress and suppress and stuff down. Um, We don't breathe deeply enough. We're most of us shallow breathers. And how about the water that we don't drink? 
you know, and instead we're drinking sodas and, and all of this has to do with how we, well, we do feel or don't feel. Yeah, it's just super interesting. Everything that you just said there, I can see how they would have a an effect on each other. Like it's like a it's like building blocks almost, and in, in terms of just creating pain. And it seems like it can start with stress, and then it can go to you know the way we're sitting. I you know for the for the listeners out there who want a little insight, uh, before we started recording, recording, Carolyn was getting on me about my posture. And, and I have to say, and I expected it because I knew who I was talking to. Uh, so I expected to, to get a little feedback on my posture uh, during, during our conversation. But have you know, like for the people out there who, who do feel stressed and they can feel that tension in their necks and they know that they're sitting down all day, do you have any like, you know, just a couple practical tips for those guys, those girls, those women, those men, you know, who are, who are in those types of situations? Absolutely. Motion is lotion to our joints. So we do have to get up out of our chairs and walk around, breathe. If you can't get out of your chair, then just take um, a breather, just a couple minutes and take some deep breaths from the abdomen not necessarily the chest. Mm-hmm. Oh, feel, fill those lungs and then exhale all the way. Um, do some neck stretches. Do some, um, you know, put your hands up here and press your head down with your hands. Go from side to side, always while you exhale, because when you exhale, that's when the muscle spindles can let go. Um, would we inhale virtually all of our muscles contract even our eyelids a little bit and uh, so it's when we exhale that we a muscle is in a spindle and they stretch like a shock absorber okay and so that is when we get our best stretch in my opinion when we exhale through the stretch is that, is that kind of what's happening in yoga in the sense that, you know, they focus so much on breathing and I know we're all a little more limber, uh, when we, when we're in a yoga class and I, and they, fo- and, and I do think, you know, the breathing has a little bit to do with that. It, that's kind of what I'm hearing from you now. Is that right? That's exactly right. Yeah. I, I just, I find this whole thing so fascinating. And, you know, when you talk about what you do as a, as a licensed massage therapist is how, how much of it is relieving the tension, like in, in terms of the, the, the way that you uh, massage a patient? Is that, is that kind of what you're focusing on? Is it is to relieve that tension or are you trying to teach different postures so that the, the tension doesn't get there in the first place? Well, both, but I focus on the, um, the skin and then the fascia, the muscle to relieve. I do not do... Um, I'd never use elbows and I don't do deep tissue massage right off the bat because you have to go down through the layers. If you don't relieve the trigger points as it is, um, uh, out of the skin and then warm up the fascia, then it's going to be very difficult to get to truly relieve the muscle and get the trigger points out. And then you can have periostal trigger points on the bones also, and that's a whole different topic, but they're fun to work out too. 
I love my job and I, I love explaining. And so well, I teach during my massages also. Well, it, you know, it does seem, you know, one thing we're you know, huge believers in at Performance Medicine Audio is, is you know, kind of educating yourself so that you can take care of yourself, almost being your own doctor. And I'm so pumped to hear you say, like, that's a big part of your practice, the education component, because, you know, it's really, you know, now as much as ever, you know, there's so much information out there. And uh, I think, I, I think we need to talk with people versus at them. And it seems like that's a huge part of what you're doing, uh, which I'm, I'm, I for one am super grateful for. And, and you mentioned, I want to go into, you know, the, the main topic today, and you mentioned it a few times and it's, it's fascia and, and we've talked about it a little bit on our podcast before, but no, but with no one who does it the way you do, why don't you, for the listeners out there in, in its most basic form, you know, talk to us about what fascia is. I would love to. So fascia is a type of connective tissue, like ligament, tendon, cartilage is connective tissue. Skin is, blood vessels are. And so it's made of collagen, elastin, and a type of ground substance that is very liquid. The ground substance has, let me read this off, enzymes, lymphocytes, immune cells, and fibroblasts, various other uh, viscous substances. So uh, when you have collagen, it can be as strong as steel. The strands are strong as steel. And the elastin can stretch 150 times its original shape and then go back to its um, original shape pretty much. And then the, the fibroblast in the liquid substance is um, they're constantly walking, running, sliding through the um, fascia, forming new fascia. We have half of our total fascia in our body is renewed every year. Fascia covers us from the tops of our heads to the tips of our fingers and toes like a diver's wetsuit. It's so fascinating. So you get those components together and you can see that you cannot force it to stretch, but you can coax it to stretch. Now, let me tell you about fascia, how it is involved with the muscle. We have superficial fascia that is just under the skin and that allows our skin to move in any direction. And inflammation can cause the superficial fascia to be stuck to underlying tissue. Okay, but healthy fascia can be pliable. Then you have deep fascia that is in between every layer of muscle and even down to the cellular level. It is so fascinating. I have um, uh, an author, Tom Myers. He has written Anatomy Trains. He is an anatomist of many hundreds of cadavers. And he has put together um, an idea 
saying, do we really have 640 plus muscles or do we have 640 pockets of fascia with muscle fiber filling those pockets? To a body worker, that makes a whole lot of sense. <laughs> to a surgeon, he needs to know where the individual muscles are. But to me, I want to be able to affect the fascia that covers around all of the muscle fiber in order to be able to stretch it out, elongate it, get the tr trigger points out. And then, you know, uh, original normal muscle tension and tone is, is there. And it's the problem is resolved, not just relieved. So, so one way that you can help heal muscles is, is through the fascia because you mentioned those layers and, and you said skin and then the fascia. So as a, as a massage therapist, are you trying to, are you trying to heal the fascia or make it uh, more pliable or they could be the same thing? Right. I cannot affect the muscle without positively affecting the fascia. I warm it up with the heat of my hands. I um, spread it out. There is a um, technique that I do on the back of a client when I first start and I start slowly from the neck and go down the back, spreading my hands down as I go. And that's called ironing the fascia. And it's pretty much just like that, ironing it with the heat of my hands and then spreading it slowly out. Because like I said, with the collagen, you cannot force the, the fascia and thus the muscle to relax. You have to coax them to. Do you, as patients, like, would we know if we had a fascia problem or do you think we know we have a maybe a muscle problem, and one of the ways that we can heal that muscle problem is through the fascia. It's, it seems kind of difficult to, to know, like, if, you know, if, if there's something off with, with my fascia. Am I, I, I know it's probably an ignorant question, but is it that... It is not an ignorant question. Is, is that kind of in line, though, with the, with the way you're talking? Yes, sir. It certainly is. And I think the whole medical world would be wise to recognize the fascia as a sim system. And there is research ongoing now, recognizing it as a, a system and, um, and its involvement in our body, just because perhaps we don't know what it's for or why it's there. And anatomists for centuries have just cut it away and said, you know, let's get to the good part, the muscle. Uh, well, they're disregarding part of something that's very important for us to have. So I am very definitely affecting conscious of affecting with intention, the fascia as I massage. Yeah, it's super fascinating. And, and I've, you know, one thing I've, I've been into, you know, the last couple of years is, um, is some of the, the, the foam rollers is that what that's doing? Is it loosening the muscles or is it impacting or affecting the, the fascia? Right. Both. Again, the answer is both. And uh, it is the collagen in the um, 
uh, around the muscle that is being stretched, the elastin in the fascia also, you know, that makes up the fascia. Um, and all of that is being positively affected. Yeah, I, I just, you know, as a, I used to play tennis and still do, uh, just not as much. And, and, you know, I think you could argue, you know, from an athlete's perspective that loosening up the fascia is more important than stretching almost in terms of injury prevention, um, which to me is, is like, is like, it's flip-flop from the way I, I thought about stretching before, you know, doing some sort of activity is, is that kind of the way you're approaching it? Oh yeah. I have a daughter who played volleyball in high school. And when I would see their team warming up by taking the volleyball team, volleyball and slamming it down on the court and, and moving their arms back and forth so fast, I'm going, Kara, please don't do that. You are going to tear a muscle. And a lot of that is just because the fascia is tight around the muscle and um, it could, you could sustain an injury very easily. Let's talk about um, uh, shin splints. That huge is a pro- huge problem. Huge problem. And, and athletes have to give up their career, they're told, because there's no answer. Oh, my goodness. Of course, there's an answer, and it lies in medical massage and the protocols that I would follow and other practitioners like myself. You know, you just have to go slower. You use moving cups, Chinese moving cups, um, vibration, and different techniques like that. Are the Chinese moving cups, um, is that what, you know, the the term cupping? Yeah. Is that what that is? Uh Okay. Is that... Because I, I know they, they it, it's, it's a suction cup, and, and does that loosen up the fascia in that, like, just very, um, in a very focused uh, place? I don't use stationary cupping so okay. much as I do the mo- moving. Those have two different um, uh, treatments. And so the, the stationary would bring the blood up through the muscle, like... Um, Uh, the swimmer four years ago. Who was that? Michael Phelps. Yeah, Michael Phelps. And uh, so he had these purple blotches all over. And afterwards, it was very um, popular to go get cupping. Yeah. But uh, that brings that does bring the blood and lymph up through the muscle so that the muscle relaxes. But I use the the uh, moving cups, and that um, loosens the superficial fascia first. And then you have more pliability with your skin and the superficial fascia. And then you can put a little more suction on and it can actually affect the deeper fascia in between the layers of the muscle. And, and that's very relieving also. Is, is this sort of stuff, is it immediate when the, when the patient will feel relief or is this something that, that it's almost like a lifestyle sort of thing. You feel it over time. Um, I, I almost think that you would feel some immediate relief of, of pain. It is definitely both. Okay. And, and it depends on the person. If you have um, a bigger person with more inflammation and tighter skin, you have to go very slow. You have um, an athlete with 
big muscles and, and it's all tight, you have to go slower. And um, the average person though can feel um, the immediate effects of the cupping on the superficial fascia. The um, cupping on the deeper layers, that, that's more down the road with a, a few more sessions, generally speaking. Where, where do you, where, where are most of the fascial problems? Uh, and I, I say fascial problems very generally in very, you know, uh, layman's terms. Um, you know, you mentioned what you, what you do with the back is, is that an area that, that a lot of patients need focused on or is, is it legs? Cause I, we're, we're on our legs a lot of the day, you know, if we're walking or working out, you know, where do you see fascial tightness uh, most of the time? Right. Especially on the back. I can even use the, the little cups on the neck and um, the erector spinae, the big muscles that go up beside on either side of the vertebra your quadratus lumborum, where your waist is. And that's also often called the silent killer muscle because you don't even know you have uh, pain in the sides at your waist area. And it can cause, it can refer pain down your, um, the sides of your legs. The hamstrings, they're notorious for being tight. And then the IT band, which is on the lateral side, that's a piece of connective tissue also. Um, sides of the upper legs is is the the I, I know there's there's lots of different functions to the fashion you've gone over uh quite a few of them here in this conversation but the wrapping part you know could it be a protective thing as far as like the function of it or is is that completely off no it is very much right on we have fascia that covers us superficially, like I said, deeper around all of the muscles, around down to the cellular level, around all the organs. We have fascia in our brains. And uh, I want to stay positive, but why we don't recognize fascia and its purpose in our bodies more is beyond me. Actually, fibromyalgia is thought to maybe be a fascial problem. And because the um, 18 points that they use to locate, uh, if a, you know, to diagnose whether a person has fibromyalgia or not, are trigger points. Now, I'm not saying that that could, that's the only thing to use and say that fibromyalgia is a fascial problem, but definitely they could get those trigger points worked on and worked out, get some emotional stuff unpacked, um, be able to breathe better, drink better, eat better. You know, you would feel a whole lot better. That it's just, it's such a big deal. And, you know, the emotional part, and I can, I can speak to it from a, I can feel when emotional stress, you know, and the impact that it has on your, on your body. And, yep. you know, it's amazing how, you know, working out fascial stuff can actually impact your emotions 
in a in a healthy way, and also how your emotions can impact the the fascia, mm-hmm. which is which is crazy to me, you know, and 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 it just feels you know, I'm, we're so big into like the things that are within our control, and and these are things that that we all have you know, there's at least stuff we can do, you know, and, and I think that's extremely cool. And I, I have one more question for you. And then I know, I know we got to go here, but you know, we talked about, we talked about the fascia and how it wraps the, the muscles. And we talked about, uh, plantar fasciitis and, and how that could be a fascial issue is, is there like any, anything that we can do at home to, to maybe impact some of these things before we go see somebody like you, anything that we can do on a regular basis, um, as a practice similar to, you know, taking a walk outside. Absolutely. Get outside, get your fresh air, swing your arms while you walk and, um, move your hips because that's going to, um, uh, moving your hips helps to bring the, Uh, cerebrospinal fluid, that's what I'm trying to say, back up to the brain. And so swing your arms and drink your water and exhale while you purposefully stretch. Relax your muscles, inhale, and then exhale through the stretch again. Take your Epsom salt soaks, two cups of Epsom salts. You don't have to get the smelly kind, just the plain kind. Do this every night your body will love the magnesium sulfate that goes in through the skin. And that is a muscle regenerator. Is, is, there, a time, is there a time that you recommend for that as far as like how long to stay in the bath with an Epsom salt bath? Yeah, about 10, 15 minutes. It doesn't take that long. About the length of a TED Talk maybe or one of your podcasts. They're very yes. interesting. And uh, so then right before bed, you want to take your Epsom salt soak and then do your stretching while you exhale, and then go to sleep. Motion is lotion. That you got it. that that is going to stick with me the the rest of this holiday weekend. And and Carolyn Anderson, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on the show and and talking to us in a, in a way that we haven't heard it. You know, fascia is, uh, I think, becoming more and more mainstream now. And you know, myself included, and our listeners are hearing it. But we, we don't quite understand it yet. And, and I just appreciate you coming on and, and explaining it to us in a way that, that we can, you know, that's super practical and things that we can do right now to, to impact, you know, our fascia in a healthy way. Uh, Carolyn, where can people find you? Where are you located? Uh, tell us a little bit about your practice before we sign off here. Well, thank you very much, Ben. It has been a thrill to be with you and talk with you about my, myself my business and fascia. I am located at 627 Rose Street, Suite 1, Bristol, Tennessee. And my telephone number is 423-723-4100. You can leave a text. I'm pretty busy. I work by myself in my own office and I just love what I do. I believe it's the gift, one of the gifts that God has given me to pass on. That is so cool, Carolyn. We will put the not only the address but also the phone number in in the show notes of, of this podcast. And and Carolyn, we appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. To all the listeners out there, thank you for hanging out with us today. And uh, and as always, we will see you guys next time. 
Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, Please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, We will see you guys next time.